Welcome, ladies, to the Exchange Podcast. I welcome all of you, and thank you for joining me. As you may already know, my name is Diana, and I'm here tonight to continue the teaching on the letter to the Philippians. Last week, we touched on, if you have your notes, your Bible, your journal, your pen, For those of you that weren't able to join us, I'm just going to quickly review just to refresh our memory and get us right into tonight's um, teaching, which is on Philippians chapter 2. I hope you all read. We, We got to see the joy that Paul was experiencing in the middle of adversities. And we saw struggles. We read about his struggles. We read that he was in prison. And no matter what, Paul remained in that position of mindset that allowed him to walk with the purpose, but also be able to see the purpose in his life. So from that, we went in. Now we're going into chapter two of the book of Philippians. So if you're there tonight, we're going to read off the ESV version. So if you have an opportunity to get to that version, if you don't, that's okay. But if you could, it just helps so that you can follow along. It's just easier not to get lost. And I'm going to begin by reading chapter two. And so that we do not get Well, there's 25, 20, 30 verses, but I'm going to read up to verse 18 for this moment. So if you can get to the book of Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to begin from verse 1 all the way to verse 18. Like I said, I hope you have your notebooks, your journals. You were able to not only journal when you're connected to the exchange, but also when you're doing, you know, the extra just, I would say, I don't know, assignment or um, I asked you to please read um, chapter two if you were able to. I hope you were you were just so that it just it, it will all connect. And the more we read it, the more it will make sense. So I'm going to go ahead and begin. It says in Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from self-ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself rather by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at any so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling and disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among who you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the world to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So ladies, I hope in this you had the opportunity to underline things that stood out to you. We're talking about a mindset. We're talking about the position of Paul and how he was thinking and where how how did he get to that capacity of where he was facing such adversity but yet was full of joy and was was still able to have a clear mind to be able to see that out of what he projected out of the faith that strong faith that boldness that he projected from a jail cell to out to outside where all the other people were and how he was able to affect other christians other believers to go to begin to to preach the word to begin to preach the gospel in boldness and encourage just like himself how was he able to influence from a jail cell just by the character just by the mindset that he had and how sure he was the trust and the contentment that was not fake it was not phony it was so real and how it was impactful to these people so having beginning to see in philippians 1 we began to see all of that it takes us to the title of this you know this series is finding contentment and what does that look like what what does contentment look like because the contentment of this world the joy of this world the happiness of this world is not the same as what we're talking about so i pray i'm going to begin with a prayer that's in my heart 
And as I was sitting here waiting for all of you ladies to connect, Father God, I just pray that you continue to put the words in my lips, Father God, that I be able to express and release everything that you have called me for this moment to talk about, Father God, that everything be aligned with your word, established and founded in your word and your truth. Father, your, your word comes to, to teach us, to correct us, Father God, to bring us that into that oneness with you, Father, into that revelation of who you are. We at, the, at this time, as these group of women that are listening right now, Father God, we, we want to begin a, a fresh walk with you, a fresh mindset, learn more about what that means. Help us, Father God, be able to open up our hearts and our understanding, not our mind, not our mental, not, not our intellect understanding, but know that that we have the the spirit and that it's in our spirit that needs to be awakened our spirit needs to be receiving this word our spirit is what's going to be able to receive a revelation of who you are father and i pray that for each one of these women in jesus mighty name amen and amen well, ladies, and as we were reading uh, the chapter two of Philippians, um, we see that in the first half, and that's why I broke it off into, and we're, we're going to touch just this one, the first part right now, because there's quite, it's, it seems like it's not a lot, you know, there's, there's not a lot in this book. It's a short book, four chapters, and you can say, wow, it's, it's going to be quick but the more you read and the more you begin to look at words that are being said or being expressed you can't help but stop you can't help but pause so i hope that tonight's teaching really brings uh an enlightenment brings light into our spirit and our understanding and knowledge of who God is, because how the way that Paul was able to stand in that position was not simply a desire of a heart, not just simply I desire to be there, but he knew he had enough knowledge, not head knowledge, but the spiritual revelatory knowledge that he needed to be able to stand so firm in what he believed, no matter the circumstance. So in the first half of Philippians 2, we get a true picture of humility. And this humility is our weapon. And I want you to write that. It's a weapon. Humility to us as believers is a weapon against what Paul describes in the second half, which we're not there yet, we didn't go there, but the second half talks about all the mental and all the emotional and all the relational and the chaos that comes from grumbling, from complaining, from anger, from arguing, and every, every man for himself, right? I got to fend for myself. Nobody, nobody's going to do it for me. I got to do it for myself. Got to take, got to watch my own back. 
kind of attitude and that sense of independence you know and, and i as i'm speaking these words it's so embedded in our culture in the united states culture you know fighting for independence and and the rights the rights of the people you know that only serves you know not saying that there's no I, and i want to clarify it's not that we're not going to you know fight or agree that we do have rights but i want to clarify as well that if our attitude of independence is coming just to serve to promote ourselves then it's not truly coming from the heart of god because in in philippians he's in in the second chapter he is mentioning about us being humble the need to be humble it teaches us that humility is a weapon which is very contrary to what we've been taught and philippians if we look at philippians 2 verses 2 to 4 and we're going to go there and i want to i want to read that really quick so it says complete my joy by being of the same mind Okay, he's talking to a group of people here. He's talking to the Philippians. He's talking to people who are believers. These are people, these are a group of people that he spent time discipling. Not just preaching the word to them. Not just hanging out with them and having just the Bible study. But they, they, he, he did everything, all of the above. And so he invested his time, his life into these people so that they can learn the gospel, so that they can learn who Jesus is and what the word of God says. And so he's talking to them and he says, be of the same mind, having the same love and being in full accord, being in agreement and of one mind. And he says, so don't do anything. Don't do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but rather in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So easy to read, right? So easy to read it, but a bit difficult to swallow if we really want to digest it and not just rush into it. So Philippians, what we just read, chapter two to four, from verse two to four, we're going to break that down tonight. And I want to touch on the first one where it says that let nothing be done through selfish ambition. So again, this is, this is the first step to the, the kind of unity that he's requiring, that he's asking of. When he says, be of one mind. So when he's telling this group of people, of believers, that remember that we read last, last week in the first chapter, we are one body. We are all the body of Christ. We belong to the body of Christ. And here he's saying one mind, one love, right? 
So this oneness that is that he's speaking of, we're going to break it down to see how do we even conquer this. And as I read this and as I studied it, it I want to pray that it also changes the way you pray about unity. Because we can come in together, all of us that are connected, and grab and hold hands and pray for unity. But we need to understand it's not just unity like, okay, we're all together. You know, we meet every Tuesday. We huddle. You know, we love the same God. It's more than that, ladies. It's more. And we're going to look at that, what that really means. And I want you as, as I'm breaking, and I made a pause here because I want you that as we're breaking this down, that you see, this is something that God is requiring. God is asking of us, but he knows that he already equipped us to be able to do this. So he's not asking anything that you and I are not capable of doing. We just need to know what that looks like and how am I going to do this? But I have the tools. So that's why we're going to begin to see what are the weapons. Maybe we see humility as something I need to be humble. I, I Lord, make me more humble. But it's a weapon. And if it's a weapon that I can carry to a, to that's going to take me to walk in the word of God, to walk in obedience to God, in that oneness and being that unity that the body of Christ needs to have, then I'm going to desire and I'm going to want that weapon. I'm not just simply going to see it as humility. So again, the first step to this kind of, of unity, in the flesh, we're often motivated by self selfish ambitions and, and conceit. That's the flesh. Much of what we do is, is not done out of love for others, but out of our own desire, our own plans, our own desire uh, to be able to advance, to be promoted. Just self-ambition. That's where that comes from, from the flesh, from those desires. But Paul found it, if we look at, read that again, that verse again, and we say, why is it there? It's important. He, Why was it so important that Paul even highlighted and said selfish ambition? Why did he highlight that so much? Not Because not all ambition is selfish ambition. And there, there is a good ambition. There is an ambition. Uh, that good ambition is to glorify God. And to serve him with everything we have. So there is a good ambition that in everything I do, every role that I play, I am doing it like unto the Lord because I want to glorify him. I'm a wife, I'm a mom to glorify him, not for my own self-ambition, not so my kids can reward me, not so my kids can applaud me, not so my kids can, can love me. That's just a fruit of what's going to happen. That's just uh, an, a byproduct of what's going to happen. But the intention, the true, the root of it should be that we have good ambition 
that's going to always want to, desire to, and have the aim to glorify God over everything when we serve him in all the things that we do in life. Every role, I just use the mother role right now, but it could be a, a sibling role. It can be a role in your own workplace, a business, you name it. We play all, you know exactly what roles you have in your life. Now, number two, let nothing be done through conceit. This is the second step to the kind of unity that Paul is talking about. Conceit is thinking too high of yourself, first of all. We think too highly of ourselves. And maybe we have excessive self-interest, self-preoccupation. We're so into ourselves. We're, we spend more time worried about ourselves or how we look and if we're, how our bank account looks and, and everything. It's me, 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 because I have to remember what I mentioned earlier. We have been taught about, you know, making sure that we're taking, I got to take care of me. It's that self, self of, uh, a sense of independence that we have, but we promote it in, a, in, a, in the wrong way, not in the godly way. That's what we're looking at here. There are things that are good, but always as long as Christ is the center, always if it's going to glorify my God, I'm not doing it because I'm not bringing attention to myself. I'm not taking care of myself because I'm seeking something out of it. Rather, I'm doing it because to me, being healthy, let's say being healthy, exercising and eating well and all the things that I should be doing and I need to be doing and I need to focus, you know, some time into that. And the byproduct is that you're going to feel good. You're going to look good. But the intention is, you know, I'm working for the Lord. I have things to do. I want to be able to have the energy to go to work and still have time to call a sister that's probably sick, reach out to someone in need. You see that not so much the 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 selfish, the 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 thinking that it's all about me. The excessive interest to oneself. And it could be literally translated as just empty glory because that's what you're going to have. It's empty. It's empty that people you just seek the, the applause of the people, the, the cheers of the people, because those are only temporary and they're so, they're vaguely just given to you and you can take it for a moment, but it sits in your soul. And the, the moment that you forget about it, it never really did anything to settle and to, to make you stronger in your life. It's because you're going to have ups and downs. It's nothing sustainable. It's empty glory because the only one that needs and should at all times have the glory of everything we do is, is God. It's only God. So we, he says, let nothing be done through conceit. Be careful. Be careful. Reflect. Am I am what are my intentions about preoccupying myself with me, 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 me? The excessive. We're speaking excessive. We're not talking about 
Yes, you should take care of yourself. It's okay to look at yourself in the mirror. It's okay to look good. It's okay to dress nice. It's okay to do your nails. I'm not talking about those things. It said specifically excessive self-interest where you have 24 hours in the day and you should be able to count how many hours of those 24 you spent just doing for you. So a dictionary defines conceit as an excessively favorable opinion of one's own ability, importance, wit, and so forth. When we live with the feeling that we are so important or so able or so talented, we are out of God's will. Let me say that again. When we live with the feeling that we are so important or so able or so talented, we are out of God's will. We are working against the unity that Paul is trying to describe to you and I as he was doing to the Philippians, those that group of people in those times. It's a unity that he's speaking about. We cannot have a unity in the body of Christ when I am all about myself. That's why it says humble, humility. Humility is a weapon. Humility is your weapon, lady. Humility is my weapon. I now know in order to have unity because Christ says in one love, we are a divided country at this moment. We are a divided people. We have divided families, divided marriages, divided, I mean, you name it. In general, we're divided. Because one thinks for himself, the other one thinks for himself. And you know what? You fend for yourself. I'm going to fend for myself. There is no unity. There's no room. And that is not walking in obedience to Christ. That is not his example. So we cannot have a mind like Christ that way because he's calling us. All Philippians is doing is breaking everything down for us so that we can see where, how do we get to that mindset that we need to have where we are content no matter what. Because you and I will face adversities. You and I will face troubles. And the word of God says that in the end times, they will be a lot higher. We need to know and understand what unity means. It's not in like the, the vocabulary that you and I learned or that you and I can go to Weber's or, or, or any of the dictionaries that are available and look at that. The unity that he is speaking about is only through the spirit. And we can only reach that in the spirit because the only way that I can be humble is if I surrender myself to Christ. I'm not surrendering myself to anyone else. I'm not surrendering myself to a situation 
I'm not surrendering myself to a bad husband. I'm not surrendering myself to a bad teacher. I'm not surrendering myself to a bad boss. I am surrendering myself to God. That's who I surrender my life to. So see how our mindset needs to take a shift. Because if you and I continue to think that we, oh no, I can't do that. Because what are they going to think? I'm not going to let, we have a, I have a right. I have a right. Yes, we do. But are we using that to twist and put ourselves in a situation where we are not trusting God and we are not walking in true humility? Again, the, dic- the dictionary, I did mention the dictionary defines conceit as excessively favorable opinion of one's own ability. And Paul pleaded with the people. He pleaded to walk in unity, in one love, in selflessness. And now number three. In lowliness of mind, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So in other words, we cannot esteem anyone else if our minds are not, we got to lower ourselves. I know this sounds twisted, ladies. I know Some of you may be like, what? Because I've been taught or I know that if, you know, because you hear this a lot. I am the daughter of the most high God and I deserve the best. And and, uh, yes, yes, we are. But our position, our position has a lot to do with when those things will come to us. The position, not you placing yourself there. Not you going out and placing yourself in that, well, I'm the daughter. I should, of the most high God, I don't need to put up with this. I don't need to. So it's very arrogant. It's very, it's about me rather than glorifying the Lord. It's a mindset that's very different to what the world teaches us. So it's going to break your mind. And if you want that, you need to surrender. You and I need to surrender every day, every moment that we remember, every moment that we feel that we can no longer keep going. It's a place and an amazing time and moment to surrender. What am I still holding on to, Lord? Show me. I thought I gave you everything. Number three. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So that's the third one. That's the third step to the kind of unity that we keep talking about that is described in the book of Philippians 2.2, to be exact. And it's this, like I said, is completely contradictory to the attitude of the world. It's contradicting. Because if we scroll through our our um, a social media, Instagram, wh- whatever it is that you use, it's self-care, self this, self, 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 you girl, you go girl, self, 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 nope, it's 
Oh no, woman power, woman power, you know, the feminist movement, feminist, you know, and it's not that we don't have a place in the kingdom. We are the daughters of the most high God, the ruler of the heavens and the earth, the owner of the riches of the world. But our position is placed by him. He seats us in those places, in those heavenly places, in those high places. So it's not so much a matter of position here in this world. It's a position in your mindset. It's a position in your spirit that you know that you know that there is a God that governs your life, that there is a God who you are surrendering to. It is not to anyone else. This whole thing is con- just totally contradicting the attitude of the world. Because lowliness of mind is about the least... I, I, I don't think I can put it in a better way. It is the least attractive thing to the thinking of this world. We do not look attractive to the world. When I use the weapon to come against those high thoughts, one or, or, or another high thought, this one or, or any of those high thoughts that want to come in and, and take me, take over my mind. And let's say that, you know, I, I'm, I'm confronting a situation in front of people or people know about it. And, and I will look ridiculous to the world for me to back down and stay quiet, be humble. It's ridiculous to the world. They will look at me as I'm the weak person. They will look at me as I'm I'm at fault. Well, you know, interesting enough, the ancient Greeks, they consider themselves, they consider that, well, they always, they, the history of it is that they consider themselves very intelligent, you know, the intelligence and their, their wisdom. And, you know, they just, the knowledge, 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 knowing, knowing, knowing. I know more than you, the competitiveness. I know more, 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 because the more I know, the stronger I am. And it, it, it comes from that root of, of ancient Greeks considered that humility, loneliness, loneliness of mind is, is not a virtue. They instead consider it that it's, it's a fault. Interesting, right? In Christ, it's a virtue. In Christ, we are honoring him. In Christ, we're giving him offering. A sacrifice of offering to our God. It's a virtue. It's supposed to make us stronger. It's supposed to bring contentment into our lives. Because it's coming from within outwardly. No one can understand it. A person of this world with the mindset of this world would not be able to to look at me as I'm a virtuous person, if I let someone do something and I stay quiet or I take a humble 
or I begin to say, well, rather than me do this, I'm going to go ahead and do something for this other person. Oh, it's not what we're taught. That's why this is mind boggling. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. I, it's, it's twisted. I don't know. I'm, I'm confused. That's why I, when I prayed, I, I was praying, Lord, that they're able to receive this. Because even though we may say, oh, yeah, okay, I understand it. But now are we, are we understanding it in the spirit? Is it convicting us? Is it moving us? Is it saying, yes, I understand. I have a weapon and it's called humility. I have a weapon that I need to surrender my life to Christ so that I may live in contentment. Because as long as I hold my life and try to control my life and try to control my mindset and bring all these different things into my mind and my mind becomes a trash can. We just let people come in and throw things at us and, you know, throw up and everything. And you're like, okay, okay. And here you are. You're just, and, but you don't replace it with the life of God. You don't replace it with the word of God. It's, it just becomes, your the mind gets consumed. So again, going back to the ancient Greeks, they, they were people that lived in the thinking superior i'm superior i want to i'm superior because i have i have a phd i have a master's i have this you know it's like i'm superior than other people because i have knowledge and knowledge makes me feel superior and this whole philippians is totally the opposite It's that we humble ourselves, that we consider ourselves less than, that we don't consider ourselves higher than anyone else. And I apologize, not less than, but e- that we're equal. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. No one's better than another. The car, the house, that doesn't that that doesn't identify me. Because Christ said, He's not calling me by what I have. He's calling me by my mindset, by my position. That is being a follower of Christ. And there's a a saying that Spurgeon has, men do not quarrel when their ambitions have come to an end. Men do not quarrel when their ambitions have come to an end, says Charles Spurgeon. Remember, we are not losing our value as humans, ladies. We are not losing our value as humans. This is tough because we always are concerned and we're worried about how other people are going to view us. 
And if we only knew that our insecurity, the discontent that we live in is part of that insecurity. And this book and the knowledge and the exhortation, the guidance it's giving us, it, and if we follow it, if we begin to live it, it will transform our lives. I'm a true believer of prayer, ladies, but there are some things that you won't pray yourself to. I cannot keep praying that I'm going to become a more, a, a wiser person. I need to read the word because the word is going to make me wise. I have to take an initiative that I want to walk in humility and that I don't want to think of myself better than anybody else. Because the body of Christ is called to, he says, having the same love, the same mind, being in one accord, one mind. Imagine he's calling the church to be of one mind. We could say it's impossible. But nothing's impossible for our Lord. And that's why the word of God says it's a narrow road. And I remind you, that's why the word says that it, at the end, people will be like, Father, Father, Lord, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, I, I don't know you. You call me Lord, but you never did what I asked. You never obeyed me. You read my word, but it was just head knowledge. You just continue to live the way you want it. There was no change. Part of, of having the new life in Christ is having our minds renewed, being renewed, being renewed in Christ. And he gave us such an example of someone, again, that's in prison, that suffered not only that, but many other things, persecution. Yet he stood strong in who he was and who he believed, who he was in Christ. He had an encounter and he, he knew that without Christ, without God, he was nothing. So it's time to declutter because again, these are things that bring us to fail to bring us down, to bring us into depression, brings us into anxiety because we have such a high, high value of ourselves because we think so highly of ourselves and when other people don't jump on board, it, it crushes you. Or you disregard them because they don't think like you. And they shouldn't think like me or you. They should have, it says one mind and not my mind, not your mind, a mind like Christ. 
That's what's going to bring us together, that each one of you, Patricia, Michelle, Maria, Casey, Kathy, Brittany, Diana, Angelica, every single one of us are going to have a mind like Christ. And when we come together, we're going to think alike. I'm going to value you more than myself. I'm going to love you. We're going to have one love. That's where he wants. We're all, if I think like that, you think like that, then no one is going to be cut short. We remember again, we are not losing our value as humans. That's what the world makes you think. And that is one of the biggest struggles for us to change our mindset. Because it's our ego is so much stronger. What are people going to say? I'm not going to let them. They're going to think I'm just dumb. Like they're going to think that they can walk all over me. They're going to think they're going to think they are going to think of me and it makes me feel less than it I don't feel they they make me feel like they're more superior than me when those things should not matter that's what Christ is saying those things should not matter anymore this what we're talking about rebukes much of the cultures and the concept of self-esteem because it's going against the wave of the world, the concepts of this world, the concepts of self-love, love yourself, love yourself. You need to love yourself. When we say love yourself in the kingdom is loving yourself through Christ, because if you love, if you don't know, if you do not know and have not had an encounter with Christ, you don't know love because he is love. God is love. The love that you may feel without him and that self-love that you want to give yourself is just a love that's temporary. And neither one of, not me or any of the ladies connected, you guys can say that you've never felt short of love. We're always looking, like the song says, looking for love in all the wrong places. But when we have him, love. But I can't touch him. I can't see him. When you begin to read the word of God and you begin to fall in love with him, when you begin to have an encounter with him, he will show you he is real. The thing is that we cannot have security in him when we are still doubting that he is real we're not giving him the opportunity we run to the quick things the things that will tell me love yourself go do this for yourself and do that for yourself and it and do, yes you you need to be you know and then you go to sleep and you're still empty you're discontent you're bitter you're walking around angry at people. We can and should desire a mind like Christ. But one of, some of us may, may read this and we may just, just look at it and go, wow, 
that's awesome. But from a distance. I tell you that before you know, I mean, before you know it, you are, you, you could be out of alignment before you know it with all the things that are going through your mind and having the wrong mindset. You, like I said, you become discontent. You feel isolated. You feel alone. And you might have a bunch of people around you, but you could still feel lonely. You could have the people that you most love around you and that you most appreciate and still feel lonely. Because, you know, with all this, and I keep addressing this part because honestly it has, it, just because I lived it, um, all the, the news and, and the entertainment, the distractions, we're, ladies, we weren't made to get deep into those things. We weren't made to go deep into all of the, yes, we can be, we can have or like them, but we're not supposed to go deep. Like, like we can go and begin to learn about someone, even if it's someone that's Christian and a Christian artist or someone famous and we begin to learn all about them and how they talk, how they walk, what they wear, how they, you know, what new thing they brought in, who they're dating and what they said and what they eat and what they, everything we want to learn. Again, we go so deep into knowing these things and we're not called to go deep into those things. We're called to go deep into the relationship with him so that we can begin to have our minds transformed into his likeness. This will bring you and I to a place where we're going to begin to reach out to people. We will make time to reach out to people, to care about other people, have compassion for other people. There's no room for that. There's no time for that because most of the time we're worried about us, 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 us. And then the other half of the time we're going deep, deep, deep into knowing all these other things. And, and, and like I had mentioned, and no room for Christ. It's not going to happen. We cannot have a life and a mind transformed if we're feeding it the wrong things. No one's saying that you can't go on Instagram and scroll and enjoy and have connection. No one's saying that. When I, I what, The word that I want to highlight here is deep. When you know more about the Kardashians than you know more about Christ. When you know more about your favorite entertainer than you know about Christ. He calls us for deep relationships. It's God who, who has made us to have deep relationship with him first. It's with him. That's where you're going to find contentment. It's fun to know all these other things that I mentioned, but they're not fulfilling. 
Instead, they can bring you depressed. They can bring you depression because you want to be so. Then after a while, you want to be so much like them. You can't meet that lifestyle ever. Or in trying to, you lose yourself. But you will never lose yourself when you try to go in deeper in knowing Christ. You will not get. You'll get lost in Him. And if you're lost in Him, you there's no going back. A life in con a life with contentment, a life in fullness, a life, a life with life, because we can be have life here and have a body that's moving and breathing, but we're dead inside. We go after our own ambitions that will bring glory to me, that will make me feel good. And like I said, if once we begin to walk in this, we will find the time to reach out to the people with real relationships that are alive, live relationships, one-on-ones, talking to people, creating relationships, having compassion. Because we were made for connection, we were made to serve, we were made for service, ladies, and we were made for gratefulness. So in this series, we will be exploring these gifts that God has given us. Just like surprisingly, we were able to grab a couple and, you know, some in Philippians chapter two. And at this moment, I want to take the time to, if we can identify some of the things that our enemy seeks to use as a weapon to, to suck us in the energy just out of all our energy we we drained he drains us from our energy from just having the courage and bravery we feel weak we feel exhausted and he knows to use these weapons and we need we you and i as believers in christ we need to learn how to identify these weapons that he uses and also identify the weapons that God has given us. Because he's given us those weapons. And I'm going to go over a couple of them. So for example, the enemy's weapon is self-importance. He will give us or make us believe to live out in self-importance. But the weapon that you and I have is humility. The enemy will use another weapon, noise. Like the one that you and I are living right now with all the noise that's going around. From the moment the pandemic came into this country. It has been nonstop. Our livelihood has been affected. The uncertainty, picking up, figuring out, do I pick up other, you know, other hobbies, people trying to survive, of, you know, so they don't get depressed, that they don't fall into anguish and so many things that we've had to deal with, the noise he brings noise so that it's so loud we cannot hear God. And the weapon 
when we begin to, when you recognize that there's too much noise in your mind, then the weapon you and I need to use is silence. Cancel appointments. Get in your car, drive to a park. Take a blanket, take some snacks, a water bottle, take your Bible. Put on some worship music, sit there. Get some fresh air. We need to use the weapon of silence. The enemy will use cynicism and weapon against the cynicism is delight. The enemy will use isolation and our weapon, ladies, is connection. The enemy will use a weapon of complacency. Our weapon, lady, is to have intentionality. Be intentional. Don't get too comfortable. The enemy will use victimhood. And the weapon that we use against being having that victim mentality is to have a heart of gratefulness. How do we have a heart of gratefulness is begin to see that the moment that you accepted Christ in your life and began and chose to have him and to allow him to govern you and lead you into those that that pasture where you can where you can rest, where your soul can rest, where your mind can rest. Then you begin to remember how noisy, how desperate you were. And now you come and he, and you start experiencing the, the newness and all the beauty that he gives us. That's so contrary than the, the one we had before. All that can just move is gratitude. Gratitude is a weapon. The enemy has the weapon of anxiety. And our weapon is trust. Those are a few that I wanted to mention. Enemies, weapons, his weapon, and the weapons that we can come and counteract. Those thoughts, that position that we begin to take in our lives, in our mind, because it begins in our mind. The battle is in your mind. It starts in the mind and then it moves to the heart if we take too long to remove it. And it takes residence in our heart. And that's where we feel the heaviness, the oppression. I wanted to do one more exercise with you ladies really quick. If you have a pen and paper, I am going to put out a statement and you... This is only for you. You're going to go, you know, it's it's like an inventory we're going to do, okay? It's an inventory of the health, how healthy our thought patterns are. So you're going to have from 1 to 10. And just do a little bar from 1 to 10. And as I read them out, you identify, are you 1? Being, of course, the lowest or 10, yes. How 10 being great, yes, I'm great at this. One being, uh, I don't do this too well. 
and it's just for fun. It's for fun, and it's for it, it, it's for something good too. Because this is one way that we can begin to face certain ideas, certain patterns that we have that maybe we we uh, we contemplated, and yeah, we know it's not that good, but we haven't really put too much attention to it. It's probably too draining for some of us to do. But tonight we're going to do it before we wrap up. So we talked humility versus self-serving, okay? Humility, that's the one, the topic we're going to do first. Humility versus self-serving. So number one, even when difficulties arise, I find myself grateful. Even when difficulties arise, I find myself grateful. One being, I don't do that too well. Ten being, yes, I do that really good. Second one, I quickly notice and communicate hurt or disappointment in my life. I quickly, quickly notice and I quickly communicate hurt or disappointment in my life. I celebrate when people around me succeed. I'm content when my work is not noticed. I am relaxed when I cannot control my day. So now we're going to jump quickly to delight and cynicism. And one being not a problem. And ten being, that's me. You don't have a problem of, of it uh, of what I'm going to mention, the statement, you put one. I get annoyed when people are optimistic. When someone is nice to me, I wonder what that person wants. I constantly feel misunderstood. When things aren't going well, I'm waiting for the bottom to fall out. I quickly notice people's flaws. I worry about getting taken advantage of. I am guarded when I meet someone new. I often wonder why people just can't get it together. I'm often sarcastic. So I don't know if maybe any of these are directly speaking to you right now. And again, we talked about the the weapons that we have. And if you look at what the numbers are, where you place yourself, if you're being true and you're being honest... And maybe at the end of the lesson, you can go back or we can go back to the same questions and see where do we place the number at? Where are we really truthfully placing that number? How do we see that? So 
wrapping up, ladies. Just identifying what the enemy seeks and how he wants to take the energy out of you and I. We just went over that at the end of this message, at the end of this class. Keep that in mind. And how are we going to fight back? Which tool, which weapon are you going to use? And when we are comfortable that that all the attention is all on ourselves and in our children and our family and our ambitions, you know, we get so comfortable that when we wake up and we, you know, when we wake up from the reality, this is not what it's supposed to only be. It's not only supposed to be my family, my family, me, my family, and that's it. And whatever we're going to do, we're just this little, 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 you know, um, circle right here. And we're just, you know, this is what I'm, I'm called to just do. And, you know, and, but once we wake up and we begin to reach out, We'll begin to reach out to others and we begin to find that God has a greater plan for you and I than what you and I can think of in our minds. It's greater. And guess what? You and I are part of that plan. So we'll continue to take a look at Paul describing his view for the sacrificial nature of his life because he was sacrificing his life. And with this, I'm going to end and pray to end this, this meeting. Remember that why is it worth it to him? Why was it worth it to him to sacrifice his life? Because I'm not getting it. I'm not getting what he means with this. Quickly, go to verses 16 to 18, chapter 2. It says, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I do not run in vain or labor in vain. Ladies, we don't want to find ourselves laboring in vain, finding ourselves running in vain with no purpose, nothing. We're just going and something looks good and we run for it. The other thing doesn't look good today, but then tomorrow and we're running everywhere and we're, we're just creating our own agenda rather than seek him first. As long as I'm in him, as long as I fall in love with him, I'm not laboring in vain. I'm not doing, I'm not running this race in vain. He says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. It's not just about me. If you keep your little huddle, me, my husband, my kids, me, my husband, me, my family, my sisters, me, my, my job, me, my dog, me, it, it, it's, it's, you're not serving, you're not able to see the bigger purpose. That's it. You're not able to see God's purpose. It is so much bigger than your little circle. It's so much bigger than just you. It's way bigger. 
Father God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you for you revealing yourself, Father God, and each woman. Father, I pray that the word that was released today, projected today, Father God, may it, it continue, Lord Jesus, to work in them, Father God, to create the life, the eternal life, the life in you, the wisdom in you, the knowledge in you, knowing that what we are here on this earth to do is to fulfill your purpose, is to live out for you, to come and live in oneness, to be of one love, a one mind with one another as the body of Christ, Father, that you begin to remove all the noise from our minds, all the noise, the thoughts that continue to, to just, um, just continue to go and, and, and they're penetrating right there and they, they're going in circles and circles and in our mind and they won't go and we continue to gravitate to them and we feel like we're stuck in a cycle. Father God, I pray that they begin, Father, to use the weapons that you have given them and that one, that one that you say to for us to humble ourselves before you, that we surrender our life to you, Father God. All, everything else will come into place. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for not leaving us alone and abandoned with, with all these things that you're asking us to do and not have a place and not have a way to do it. But you already have made the way. You have paved the way for us to walk in, Lord. And we want to walk in that with wisdom, with courage, with boldness, working towards the salvation, working towards the things because you have given us the capacity to serve one another, to love one another, to be one-minded, and to not live in conceit or thinking that we're above anybody else, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Ladies, have a good night. I bless you all. I pray for you to continue to read the word, stay in Philippians, read chapter one again, read chapter two, send the questions, send the questions, don't be shy, email me, you have my number on the email, send the questions. I bless you all and have an amazing night and a great rest of your week.